Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. We're going to be spending the next portion of time having sort of a mini-service within the service in honor of both Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Remembrance Day, and Yom HaZikaron, which is remembrance for all of the fallen soldiers of Israel. Um, I'm going to light six candles in remembrance of the six million, and I'm going to light the center candle for the fallen soldiers of Israel And if we could actually stand for this, um, this may be new to some of you. In Israel, there is a siren that goes off all over the country for an entire two minutes. And it's the eeriest thing that you will ever experience because no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, people, you'll see there's a video we're going to show with the siren. Everyone drops everything and stops. And there's complete silence all over the country for two whole minutes. So after I light the candles, we're going to actually play the siren, I believe that was from Thursday. Yeah, the siren just took place this week in Israel, so it's in Tel Aviv, and you'll see how... Around, I think, the country. Um, Usually when I chant the Kaddish, I don't know how many of you would normally like to read it with us, but today we're going to give you that opportunity. So whether or not you have lost someone in the Holocaust, we are knit together um, for the protection of the Jewish people and in in mourning of the attack of the enemy, because that's really what it was. It was attack of the enemy. So um, we're going to give you the opportunity to read it with us today before it is chanted As I've said many times, it is a beautiful, beautiful prayer that is nothing about death. It's all about remembering who God is in the midst of everything. So, please join me in remembering the six million. Lord, we pray. Avinu Malkinu, we revere you as our Father and our King. But at a time like this, when we need your power... We tend to want to come to you as Abba, just Daddy. I need your comfort. I need your help. On behalf of the Jewish people, we know there will come more times of trouble. We pray protection. We pray salvation. We pray your return to make all things right. We pray for the fallen soldiers who have died defending the only Jewish nation on this planet. The land that we believe, your word, you gave them, Lord. 
We pray protection over those who are there serving right now. We pray protection over Mayan, who we just sent out, as she goes through her discipleship and enters her IDF training. Boaz Ben David, also a young believer in the IDF at the moment. We pray a special outpouring on the believers in the IDF right now, that they would be a light in the midst of trouble. B'Shem Yeshua. Just to be clear, this sign we're going to hear was for Yom HaShoah, which is this week. Yom HaZikaron is actually this coming week. Mm-hmm. So we're celebrating, That's we're the observing time. them both together. But as the siren is sounding, we're remembering those that have perished in the Holocaust. And if you'll join me in the Kaddish, those that know it, again, this is a praise prayer to God that we are going to praise him even in the most difficult times. Obviously, the loss of six million of our people. Um, and, and in addition, we are also mourning the fallen soldiers that have defended Israel, as Crystal mentioned. And so, please join me. Yikadal ve'yikadash shemei rabah. Be'alma divrach yirute, ve'yam lich malchute, be'chayichon uv'yomechon, uv'chaye be'chol be'k Yisrael, ba'gala uv'izman kariv, ve'imru amen. Yeheshme rabah mevarach, le'olam ul me'omaya. Yit barach ve'yishtabach, ve'yit pa'ar ve'yit romam ve'yit nase, ve'yit hadar ve'yit ale. Fayit halal shemei dukudisha barihu. Le'ela min kol birchata veshirata, tushbechata venemata, damiran be'alma ve'imru amen. Yehe shlamaya rabah, min shamaya, ve'chayim aleinu ve'alko Yisrael, 
ve'imru amen. Ose shalom bimromav. Hu ya'ase shalom. Aleinu ve'alko Yisrael ve'imru amen.
from dark to dark. We, we would get up, it was dark, we would go to be counted first. Uh, we would have to line up five deep, and as long as the, they are people. My mother and the rest of the family were murdered in Treblinka. I was in three camps in Poland, and three camps in Germany. And the beatings were constantly. It's all Jesus' fault. Every time we were hit, the guard would tell us, Jesus told us to hit you. Jesus hates you. I was raised that God is everything. God in the morning, God at noon, and God at night. 
And one day I took a look around where I was in 1941 or 42, and I said, there is no God. My mother lied. Well, what it was like to get out of the camps. Of course, we didn't believe it. And then somebody came up with an idea of getting even. This person didn't have to repeat. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to kill Jesus. So where does Jesus live? In a church. So what are you going to do with the church? You're going to burn it down. So if you burn down the church, Jesus cannot live there anymore. He's dead. We had so much hate. And when we came back to the group, we reunited. I took my sister's hand and I said, it's time to go home. And after a while, my sister had married and gone to Israel, and I was going to follow her. And then I wound up in America through circumstances. And uh, shortly after I came, I met my husband. We got married. We, I was blessed with children, and many things happened. And one day, my oldest daughter comes home and she says, Mommy, 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 I believe in Jesus Christ. He's the Jewish Messiah. I just couldn't, I just couldn't see it. The same Jesus who killed my family, who put me in a concentration camp, who they experimented on, they beat and they killed. How can you believe in that? How can you believe in a God? I threw out my daughter because she believes in him. And I sent my husband into that house and he became a believer. He didn't want to go to the synagogue with me even though I had the best seats. And, but there he believed. I mean, it used to be a peaceful, loving house. Jesus comes in and there is war. I said, I'm going to teach them a lesson. I'm going to find the killer Jesus. And I went down the basement and I locked myself in. I looked in my Bible. Now, I knew in my Bible, the one the rabbi gave me, there's no Jesus in there. So I put it aside. I picked up my daughter's Bible and I started reading it and reading it and reading it. And I started again to read it because I knew I missed it. I was about four or five days in that basement. I didn't do housework. I didn't do cooking. I didn't do cleaning. Nobody was allowed to come near me. I was a tyrant. I was a tyrant as it is, but I was really a tyrant at that time. After reading it so many days, I just couldn't find any more excuses. I noticed that he was the lamb, not the lion. And he didn't kill me. He didn't put me in a camp. He didn't kill my family. That he died for me. Did you know that? He died for me. He loved me this much that he gave himself for me. I didn't convert. I'm Jewish, you see. I found the God of Israel. And to his glory, 
I serve him. Pick up your own Bible. There are 328 prophecies from Genesis to Malachi. In the Hebrew Scriptures, it's from Genesis to Chronicles. And there are so many prophecies of coming of the suffering servant. Read it. Just read it and come to your own conclusion. Who am I talking about? I 
In August of uh, 2008, I, along with my wife Liz and our daughter Jess and 12 other Messianic Jews from across the U.S. joined Messianic music artist Ted Pierce and our beloved Rose Price on the uh, March of Life in uh, Germany over an unforgettable 10-day period. The March of Life was organized by a German ministry called TAS ministries to commemorate and honor the victims of the Nazi death marches that we was just referred to before that took place during the winter of 1944 and early 1945 when the Third Reich stood on the verge of military defeat. As allied forces approached Nazi camps, the SS organized these death marches with evacuations of concentration camp inmates in part to keep large numbers of concentration camp prisoners from falling into Allied hands. Rather than have the camps liberated, they intended to march the camp inmates to death and drown them in the sea, and the Nazis succeeded in murdering tens of thousands. Many died along the way while forcefully and inhumanely marched through small villages and towns throughout Germany. They were starved to death, shot on sight, and the severely ill left to die on roadsides. All the townspeople saw what was being done. No one can make the excuse that they didn't know what was happening in the camps. The inmates were marched through these towns and villages that looked like the farmlands of the United States. It was quite surreal to be there, to be in a place of such beauty, and yet to remember that it was a living hell for so many. To quote Psalm 23, it was like walking through the valleys of the shadow of death. The organizers of the march, Toss Ministries, have a tremendous heart for Israel, the Jewish people, in bringing to light the sins of their Nazi ancestors. 
Many of the people in Taos have relatives who were Nazi soldiers and officers who were part of the Nazi machine to exterminate the Jewish people. We joined thousands of Germans who were ashamed and regretful of their relatives' past to march in several teams over 1,500 miles of Germany to bring witness that Israel and the Jewish people, in light of all the suffering and loss, continue to live on. Amen. Chayel Yisrael. Toss has called it breaking the veil of silence, since unfortunately, so many Germans to this day would rather forget the past. This was Rose's second or third trip back to Germany for Toss Ministries. She really didn't want to go back. The pain was very, still very deep. However, she was convinced that God could use her and her pain to bring about reconciliation, forgiveness, and advance the kingdom. I was fortunate to spend time with Rose and her husband, Jonathan, traveling all over Germany, visiting several concentration camps, German towns and cities, remembering these death marches. The evenings were a great time of joy and fellowship. I will never forget when Ted Pierce got Rose up to dance to some country music. While the nights were full of joy and fellowship, the days were reminders of the horrors of Nazi Germany. We were staying in a town one night that was about two hours from Bergen-Belsen, which was mentioned earlier in one of the, the testimonies. One of the six camps Rose was in, Bergen-Belsen, is in northeast Germany. During its existence between 1943 and 1945, approximately 50,000 persons died in the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp complex, including Anne Frank and her sister. Both died in the camp in February or March of 1945. Rose and her sister were brought to Bergen-Belsen in late 1944, and according to Rose, it was the worst of all the camps. Rose decided she wanted to visit Bergen-Belsen to see if she could find hers and her sister's names in the original logbooks still kept at Bergen-Belsen's memorial offices. Toss arranged a meeting with the memorial office's director who invited Ta uh, Rose to come. When I heard that Rose and a few others were going to Bergen-Belsen, I asked Rose if I could come along. I'll never forget her response. Why on earth would you want to go to such a place? I thought about her question and not quite sure on how to answer. I said, I guess, Rose, I want to know more about the pain you suffered. She did a kind of half laugh while probably thinking Meshuggah and said, okay, suit yourself. And so began one of the most memorable days of my life with a Holocaust survivor, Rose Price and her husband Jonathan, to visit Bergen-Belsen. We had such great conversation in the car during that two-hour trip going 90 to 100 miles per hour on the Autobahn. Thankfully, none of us were doing the driving. We kept up a lively conversation while trying to ignore the ridiculous speeds we were traveling at. Rose said that it was so important to remember the names of those who have perished. 
She said in the camp, all you had was your name. The Nazis called you by a number, as we saw. You didn't have a name, only a number. However, to those in the camp, it was your name that remained of you. The Nazis took everything. They took your family, your clothes, your possessions, your life. The only thing you had left was your name. The only thing they could not take. Seeing her name in the Bergen-Belsen log was so important. And also an important lesson from Rose that lives today. We must remember the names. Those who perished. We honor them by remembering their names. We had a very emotional day at Bergen-Belsen that day in August 2008. All that remains at Bergen-Belsen today are large piers which thousands are buried. There is also a memorial wall with the names of all those who perished. We said Kaddish at that wall, and we had communion. And we were able to find Rose and her sister's name in the camp log books. It was a memorable moment. We brought back those books containing the names of 50,000 who had died and lost their lives at Bergen-Belsen. The leader of TOS, Jobs Bittner, called his church and ministry members to read those 50,000 names nonstop over several days through pouring rain. It was a memorable experience. Remember their names. So today, on Yom HaShoah, we honor the names of all those who perished during the Nazi Holocaust. And we especially remember the name of Rose Price. Rose, who gave her life to the Lord, as we heard in her testimony. Preserved, thank you Lord, through technology for all to still hear. Rose, who worked tirelessly to bring others to know her Lord. Rose was often asked how she could forgive the Nazis and the German people for what they had done to her. She was very honest and upfront when she said, it took me a very long time, a very long time. But I heard the Lord say, if I can forgive you, you need to forgive others. It was one of the hardest things for her to do. But she also said it brought her freedom. Freedom from the hate and the anger that still consume many who have suffered unimaginable horrors and abuse. You may recall Rose saying she was full of hate. However, as Romans 6 shows us, Rose gained freedom from the sin of hatred, a freedom that you witnessed in her testimony through her trust in Yeshua. What an amazing witness she was to me and the world of the power of forgiveness. You could say that Rose had a master and a PhD in forgiveness. If Rose could forgive the Nazis and those who persecuted her, how can we not forgive others who have wronged us? Sometimes we just need to forgive ourselves. And sometimes we need to ask for forgiveness. And that was Rose's ministry, forgiveness. Rose would travel the world, yet make time every July to speak at the Messiah Conference, and especially to the youth. 
Every day you could find Rose in and among different age groups of youth. They loved her. And we loved Rose. She was one of a kind, and both Liz and I and so many were so blessed to have had the opportunity to learn from her and spend time with her before her untimely passing in 2015. Today, we remember the Holocaust, and we remember Rose Price and all the others. Amen. This song is, the, is a, a song I put to music uh, from the Shema and also from uh, Psalm 73.25. So Deuteronomy 6.4 and Psalm 73.25. And um, <clears throat> the Shema was very important to survivors. A lot of them, that's, they didn't m- know much of the Bible, but they remembered the Shema, and they would recite it even in the gas chambers going to their death. We have many stories of people talking about the Shema. But the Shema not only means, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, but the Lord is the only one. And uh, so feel free to join in as, as, uh, as you get this. Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Baruch Shem, Kibod Malchuto, Leolam Vahem. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ani means I love you Ani
Well, this has been a really special time, and I'm not going to share long, but I will share a little bit about how 
a couple things that helped me in handling this, un this understanding of the Shoah, of the Holocaust, and may help you. But hasn't this been a special time? And I really, I'm really glad our children have been able to be a part of it. Um, I have here a, a book that brought back. It's Auschwitz, 1940 through 1940, that I actually picked up when I was there. And it's actually published, I think. I know it's Soviet propaganda. It was, um, it's not, um, it was, I think, under Soviet control or communist control anyway when, when we visited at the time. Um, but it's quite, quite, it was in English, an English publication, but testimonies are quite scary in here, horrible to read, but you need to, need to see it, but feel free to look at this afterwards. My uh, uncle who <clears throat> went to Israel survived Auschwitz. I remember he didn't like to talk about it, but made his life in Israel and um, had a wonderful family there, but he, story had, best I remember from my dad, hearing it through my dad, and I did you know, spent time with him, but I, he never talked to me about the story, my uncle, but Lipa, Lipa but he uh, had been hit by a soldier in the gut by a rifle. He didn't see the soldier and didn't salute him or something, and if you didn't salute, you know, the soldier, you'd, and, and so he was put in the hospital, and somehow he escaped from the hospital and got on a boat to Israel, and, uh, and it survived that way. But... Um, he was always, <clears throat> I'll tell you about him, something about him that comes to mind. Um, I don't know if he ever came to know Yeshua, but he was always singing uh, when I was with him. O always would be singing. Like, he knew how to appreciate life, you know, because he had survived. He would always be going, seriously, always, always, you know. And everywhere he went, he, you know, people would, you know, he, he greet him. He he was just hap, happy to be alive. Um, so we can learn a lot from from the survivors, and there aren't that many of them now. But um, Yom Hashoah was this past Wednesday evening through Thursday. Yom Hazikaron this coming Tuesday through Wednesday. Yom Ha'atzma'ut will be this Wednesday evening through Thursday. Uh, but we'll be celebrating it congregationally next Shabbat, this next Shabbat afternoon. Now, um, Father, we just pray you bless these thoughts, continued thoughts on this wonderful day that we're having in Yeshua's name. Amen. According to the Early Warning Project, top, early warning project, top countries at risk for mass killing today are countries like Pakistan, India, Yemen, Afghanistan, and the Republic of Con Congo, where there, and there are more, of course, there are more. Um, but while each of these are horrible in their own right, nothing can compare to the final solution of the Nazis. Hashoah in Hebrew means the catastrophe or desolation, though in the English word, holocaust actually means destruction, but literally, you know what holocaust means? Burnt offering from holocaustos, burnt offering. The Holocaust or Shoah refers to the genocide, of course, of six million Jews and, and other groups were included, like gypsies, as we know. A systematic state-sponsored genocide by the Nazis and fascists during World War II. On this day, we recall 
the most tragic manifestation of hatred, persecution in history, equal to, if not surpassing, says Jacob Jocks, the tragedy of the fall of Jerusalem in 70 CE. And sadly, he says, the extermination camps are a visible demonstration of the hollowness of the idealism dream, the idealistic dream of German romanticism, and sadly, I would say, of the brittleness of pseudo-Christianity. Now, Zechariah 13, verses 8 and 9, interesting verses. It says, in time, throughout the land, says the Lord, Zechariah 13, verses 8 and 9, two-thirds of those in it will be destroyed. They will die, but one-third will remain. That third part I will bring through the fire. I will refine them as silver is refined. I will test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and they will say, the Lord, or Adonai, is my God. Now, this is not the context. I don't believe the context of the passage in Zechariah or Zechariah Hanavi, Zechariah the prophet, was the Holocaust. But it's an interesting parallel. Two-thirds will be cut out, cut off and die. A third will come to Adonai. I don't understand God's plan, why he allows humanity its freedom to fail, why injustice can prevail at times. And a lot of times, the Holocaust, over one-third of the Jewish population, 6 million of what was then 16.6 million, two-thirds of European Jewry. And I used to have a, I had a Hebrew teacher, uh, Dr. Sharashevsky, who I remember he would say, and I wish I could remember, I was trying to remember his exact quote, but he would, he would say with passion, he would say it was two-thirds, he said, or it was this many, he says, but 90% he would be saying, I think he was saying in quality or something like that, because he was saying the best, all the best, everyone. He says it was 90%. He was from Europe. We, we lost so many. And we can experience loss, all of us, in our own lives. We lost in our own lives one-third of our present home when our son died. And some of you have lost spouses or children or parents. The Hebrew word lama, let's say lama, 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 why, is why, why. And it's a cry throughout the Psalms, Psalm 10, why do you stand far off? Why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1. Why have you forgotten me? Psalm 42, 9. Why have you cast me off? do you cast me off? Why have you cast us off forever? Do you, uh, why, why, why? Lama, lama, lama. Again, again, again. Why have you broken down her hedges? Why have you cast us off my soul, hidden your face from me? The prophet Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, Habakkuk, the, he asks, Why? Where are you, God? Ad ana adunai. How long? Adonai. And the Hebrew is really, literally, until where? In other words, I don't understand, God, your management of time and space. And let me read the first few verses of it. How long, Lord, have I cried for help, yet I do not hear? I cry out to you, violence, violence, yet you do not deliver. Why do you show me wickedness, and why must I behold mischief? Yet, yes, devastation and violence and before, are before me. There are, is strife and contention arises. Therefore, 
Therefore, Torah has no effect and justice never goes forth. For the wicked encircle the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. In other words, it seems like the enemy's winning. The adversary's winning. Why is that, God? One comfort I have, and it's a weak one, I admit, is that the very fact that I have, and when I say I'm speaking of I as a human being, you have it too, a sense of justice and thus can detect injustice tells me that there must be an ultimate reckoning. One day will be fulfilled the words, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream of Amos the prophet, Amos 5.24. The great Shofet, the great judge, will call all to account. Evil will be avenged. It's hard. As you read the accounts, it's how can you can't fathom people's consciences being gone. People taking babies and bashing their heads against, and it happened. You know, hear the accounts, bashing with the smirks on their face, bashing babies' brains, and you know. And um, sorry, I don't want to be descriptive, but but it's hard to. You say, how could people do things? Where would the conscience go? Ultimate, but the fact that we have consciences that we know injustice means we know we have a sense of right and wrong, and it's God has put that in us. There will be an ultimate accounting one day. There will be absolutely. You say, well, why is there so much injustice? Well, that's a whole huge question. Why does God allow it? Why does he allow it? Could, are God's hands tied behind his Of course not. God can, we know God can do anything. There's nothing impossible for God. Why doesn't he intervene then? We don't understand necessarily God's ways. Suffering, the book of Job. But I want to say this. I do believe part of the answer is that our God suffers too. He was suffering in the camps along with the prisoners, in the gas chambers alongside the victims. The suffering servant is the Messiah of Israel. We have a God who suffers. We, of all people, as Messianic believers, have a Messiah who suffered, who is Isaiah 53 descriptive And the destiny of Israel is bound up in the destiny of the Messiah. Let me repeat. The destiny of Israel is bound up in the destiny of our Messiah. Isaiah 53 doesn't speak of Israel, but of the one who is blameless and without sin. He who has believed or report to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed, the servant, the suffering servant. He's atoning for the sins of Israel. However, Israel also is in the unfathomable mystery of God's plan. Suffers along with, suffering along with the innocent one. She does not atone for her sins through this, but her identity is inseparably intertwined with the one who does. As we look at Isaiah, look at, turn over to Isaiah quickly. Isaiah 40, in the 40s. Isaiah 41, 8. I count 15 times where God speaks about his servant. Abdi, my servant. Let's say Abdi. Abdi is my servant. Eved is, the, is a servant. Abdi is my servant. Now, is the servant, let's look at Isaiah 41, 8. Who is this servant? 
Isaiah 41, 8. But you, Israel, my servant. Who's the servant? Israel, right? Okay. Look at, how about 42, 1. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one. I have put my spirit upon him. He'll bring forth justice to the nations. A bruised reed he'll not break. Who's this? This is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. All right? I don't have time to, I would love to take you through the study, through the whole thing, but we could, but I have all the verses marked out. Seven times the servant is Israel. Eight times it's the Messiah. It's Israel, the servant. Isaiah 41, 8, 44, 1 and 2, 43, 10, 44, 21, 48, 20, and 49, 3. But Messiah is the servant in 42, 42, 1, 19, twice, 49, 5 and 6, 50, verse 10, 52, 13, 53, 11. Jacob, my servant, 44, 1. Jacob, my servant. Jacob, my servant. Again, he says, uh, and again, but I turn over to, especially uh, look over 52, uh, 1. Behold, my servant will prosper, be high and lifted up, 52, 13. The servant, and uh, uh, Isaiah 53, um, 11, the righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous. He will bear their iniquities. Clearly the Messiah. The two identities are intertwined. It's back and forth. It's overlapping. You say, it's, which is it? Both. Intertwined. A mystery. Well, nothing about God is mysterious, right? Nothing about the scriptures is mysterious. Let's, all, let's have systematic theology. Let's put everything neatly into every single... <laughs> I love systematic theology is great. Listen, but you can't fit everything into nice, neat compartments. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work. We can try and it's helpful, but it just doesn't work. The ways of God are beyond us. Who has understood the ways of God? In, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your thoughts. And my thought, ways than your... In Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Richard Wormbrandt, my favorite, as you know, 14 years in communist prison, Jewish believer and pastor. 14 years in communist prison, three years alone in a cell 30 feet below ground, as he says, where I couldn't see a flower or the sun or the moon. I never saw anything for those three years, never heard anything except even the, 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 the guards who, who guarded me had, had uh, their feet silenced uh, with whatever pads on their feet so they wouldn't hear, hear I wouldn't, you couldn't hear when they approached everything. He says, he says, he says you cannot have compassion, the, the, the word in the Greek means to suffer together unless you know the state of heart of those who are suffering. He says, instead of judging, instead of judging, he says, enter into fellowship with your believing brothers who are in prison in situations where, quote, there is no voice but of weeping, no face but of, their, of the tormentors. He says, I have had memories of knowing the victory of faith in, of faith in prison. I have also had moments of despair. He said, I thank God for both. Accept your thoughts of despair and of faith, your doubts and their solution, your moments of madness when you go insane and their passing away. He said, you may be an experiment for angels. You may be, in other words, what you're going through right now. You may be the object of a bet between God and Satan. Now, he said this, this, is, this is part of a sermon he composed, by the way, when he was in prison. He composed, he was in prison, he couldn't have a Bible to read, he had nothing, and he said he would actually put 
put sermon, composed sermons in his mind and put them to memory, to memory through uh, poetic devices so he could memorize them. And he memorized, and he had 350 he put in a book when he came out of prison. Can you imagine that? That he was able to remember. And so, these, so he said, I don't necessarily even agree with all the theology now, he says. He says, but they kept me alive, in, he says, when I was in prison. So he says, you may be an experiment for angels. You may be the object of a bet between God and Satan, like Job. Be, listen to this, be determined only to cling to God, even if he slays you, even if he slays your faith. If you lose your faith, then remain faithlessly his. What? What? I love it. Yes, Lord, I love it. Whom have I in heaven but you, and besides you there's none I desire upon the earth. Psalm 73, 25, which we just sang. Job 13, 15 says, Though he slay me, what? Yet will I trust him. Who can understand, fathom that? Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. I remember when I had so many doubts as a a younger believer, and I said, maybe all this stuff is nonsense that I've embraced, and Jesus, and all this stuff, and, and maybe, and then if I found, if I, if I finally said, yes, I, I embrace Jesus, he's not really the Messiah, that's, and then I, it wouldn't be long before I'd even be doubting God's existence at once again, and say, and then one day, all of a sudden, it hit me, wait a minute, God, why am I talking to you? I'm bringing this to you. Wait, that's the, the, the scripture says, the spirit in my heart cries, Abba, Father. And uh, so, in other words, wow, you're there. And I'm just going, you're there. I know you. I know you. I have a relationship with you. You are, you're real. And I'm just going to, I'm going to just settle for that. Listen, that's it. I know you. There are, is most certainly a mystery, I want to say, I believe, of a blend of divine chosenness of Israel's call in God, when we deal with the Holocaust, the subject, of satanic absolute satanic hatred, and also messianic identification. I've always taught it that way. Those three things, a blend. Divine chosenness, satanic hatred, and messianic identification. There's a mystical union between Israel and her Messiah. They're one in their calling and destiny, and you can't separate them. Yes, yes. We're punished for our sins. Yes, there's discipline. But yes, and because, we're, because we're chosen, God says, and we're, and we're, yes, but yes, there's a mystery. And yes, Satan will do anything to, to destroy God's people and anything that represents God because he wants to hurt God. But yes, we are called in, identif- in, a, in union with the Messiah. Psalm 22, why have you forsaken me? Why have you quit on me, Lord? Why have you stopped? Why did you... Is this David in his psalm, or is it the Messiah? Is it Israel, or is it us? Yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. You see? Because we're one with Yeshua, we're a part of him. We will suffer with him, and we will reign with him. That's our promise that we have. That's why what the promise we have. And perhaps the best attempt to grapple at comprehending how we should see the Holocaust is actually in the very definition, seeing the victims as a burnt offering to God. The burnt offering was optional out of devotion, not for sin. 
It was entirely consumed, you know, the Ola. We've taught on it before. Nothing left. Just as our Messiah, Yeshua, was an offering up to God in Ephesians 5, 2 and Isaiah 53, so our relatives who perished were likewise mysteriously and eternally wrapped in destiny with Yeshua, whether they knew it or not. Not a neat, convenient answer, but there it is. Moish Kempinski of Arutz Sheva said this, The Jewish people are returning out of a long and painful exile. The healing that needs to occur has been long and arduous. It is a process that will undergo many phases and changes, just as Ezekiel prophesied regarding the return of the dry bones in Ezekiel 30, chapter 37. And next week, we will be looking at Israel's miraculously prophesied resurrection and rebirth. Isaiah 49, and I close, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your son shall make haste your destroyers, and those who laid you waste shall go away from you. Lift up your eyes, look around and see all these gather together and come to you. And then further down in Isaiah 49, 26, all flesh will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Father, we don't understand your ways, and we know that, Lord God, that we have our people we have, and we have strayed far from you and you bring us back, Lord, and you have to do, you, you discipline us to bring us back, oh God. And we know the pain of being apart from you. But we thank you, Lord, that you suffer with us. We thank you, Lord, no matter what, you are a suffering Messiah that has suffered for our sins and you suffer with us even in our, even in our suffering no matter what because you love us. We thank you so much for Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus our Messiah. Thank you for bringing us to faith in you, to know you, God. Thank you for the light going on, Lord, in our hearts to reveal yourself to us. We thank you that we believe you revealed yourself, revealed yourself to countless, to millions of our people. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, right in the midst of that dark horror, satanic horror. We thank you and we pray that anyone watching now, here now, that doesn't know you would come to you, put their faith in you and say yes to Yeshua. Humble ourselves. Humble yourself in the sight of God and he will lift you up. Humble yourself. Give your say yes to God. Say yes, I need you, Yeshua. Yes, thank you for suffering, for being my, my, my Messiah who suffered for my sins and gave yourself for me as a burnt offering, as, an, as, a, as a sin offering, as a guilt offering, as an asham, as everything, for, that I could have eternal life and know that I spend eternity with you. Because that's the promise the scriptures say we have can live forever with, Yesh, with God through Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, and know it without a shadow of a doubt. 
Thank you, Lord. And if you're prayed to receive that, you're trusting Yeshua now, pray with someone after this service if you're here or contact us if you're, if you're watching online. Bisham Yeshua Hamashiach Sar HaShalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Jesus our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.